Good evening. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you may be doing, we wish to welcome you in to this episode of Just Another Conspiracy Show with your host, Jeff Williams. Now, there's a pattern of disappearances and strange deaths in the world, and the more interesting cases are those that involve some of the biggest leaders and dictators that the world has ever known. It does seem the closer you fly to the sun, the more likely you are to get burned. Most of the leaders we we will be taking a look at were in their twilight years anyway, but is there circumstances of their deaths and what happened to their remains that are of particular interest to us? Mysterious deaths and missing bodies are an instant way to translate a figure into near godhood. Now, by the term translate, I'm of course referring to the ancient practice by which a fallen leader was believed to be deified, to be raised to godhood because of his great acts. Now, despite the fact we may not believe this in the modern mundane world, according to the hidden ones, this belief is still relevant, and it assures you a place in the celestial hierarchy. After all, What is the clearest path to immortality but to become a god itself? And indeed, they remind us of it frequently in mass media, through specialty specialty channels that specialize in history and mystery. And the books that are constantly published, all intended to draw your attention to these mysteries and breathe life into them by your very attention and your very will. Because by participating in the ritual of remembrance, you, in turn, give over part of your spiritual power to the perpetuation of the mythos that they desire to perpetuate throughout our society. Basically put, the more attention you give to these particular events, the more power they receive and the more they can be used by the hidden ones, the Illuminati, the New World Order, to influence you and the people around you. Now, let's take the strange case of Hitler's death to start with. Now, by no means would anyone argue Hitler was a good man. His failings, both within his dictatorship and his personal life, have been well documented. But it is to his final moments that we wish to turn our attention and the strange events in the bunker in 1945. Hitler was adamant to the last moment that he would be able to snatch victory from the Allies. Not only had they established a bridgehead in Europe, not only were the Soviet armies closing in from the east, he was surrounded, outnumbered, and outgunned, and had no production capacity. But he still had divisions standing by in Norway for his orders. 
and the allies were scared of him having a secret redoubt in the mountains of the Czech Republic, I forget their name right now, through which he would be able to wage a vicious counterattack against them. He even had some of his most potent bombers sitting on Norwegian airfields ready to strike a decisive blow, but the order was never given. Instead, if we are to believe the received historical events, the ones that they keep pounding into our heads as the absolute truth, he supposedly fell into depressed mood, locked himself into a private room in his bunker, then proceeded to shoot his dog, his newly wedded wife, and then himself. Now the part about Eva Braun has always seemed troublesome. Hitler spent several years with her, but never seemed to, seemed to show an interest in marrying her before. He supposedly had several romances, but unlike other men of his age, and indeed most of his close personal acquaintances, he never intended to devote the rest of his life to any of those romantic partners. It seems he was only intended to commit the rest of his life after he decided the rest of his life would be measured in moments. This change in his heart is incredibly peculiar, as Hitler was a man who is absolutely steel-hearted, and many theories have been posited for his behavior over the years. Ultimately, though, he had lost his ability to fulfill the will of the Illuminati. As a matter of fact, the very German organization of the Illuminati had manipulated into him into power in the first place. Hitler would have been a very attractive candidate for the Illuminati to fulfill their dreams of worldwide domination. He had the lust and the avarice to covet the world. But he was compromised from the very start. He had become friends and a close associate with Dietrich Eckhart, a member of the Thule Society, Thule Thule, which was extremely nationalist and it was dedicated to making a new German world out of the ashes of the old one. Now, Hitler was born in Austria, but Austria was a vast sprawling empire, and at the point, it's, it contained many, many different races and people. There were Germans, there were Czechs, there were Poles, there were pretty much a mix of everybody east of the Danube River. And... As such, when he had the chance to serve in the German army in World War I, he jumped at the opportunity and enlisted with the German forces, because that is who he personally felt his allegiance to. After the war, he was employed as a spy, and during his duties as a spy, he started to take notice of a party, the NSDAP, which I won't even attempt to pronounce its name in German, but is basically the Nationalist Socialist Workers' Party. It's extremely nationalist, and as a soldier who believed in an idea of a Germany, he was gravitated towards it, and soon his powers of oratory became apparent. Now, the Thule Society had a lot of influence with the Nazi society. They were, there were close parallels. Just the Thule society, society had peaked and started to decline. The Nazi party were starting to begin its ascent. And while there's no direct evidence that Hitler participated with the Thule Society directly, they were enchanted with him in, as a general principle. Eckhart, who was one of the principal members of the Thule Society, famously stated, Hitler will dance, but it is I who have called the tune. 
I have initiated him into the secret doctrine, opened his centers of vision, and given him the means to communicate with the powers. Do not mourn for me. I shall have influenced history more than any other German. This is a direct quote from Dietrich Eckhart's deathbed. As you can see, he was incredibly invested in Hitler's future, and he's quite frankly stating he controlled Hitler. He had given him everything he had needed, and Eckhart was the one who had called the shots. He was the one that was going to make everything happen. So, what, what came about was, of course, Hitler rising to power and going on his rampage of mass killings. So now, why would such an anointed state, the saint of the Illuminati, fall upon his own sword, or in his case, a gun? It's very simple. He failed. The Illuminati do not take failure well. Instead of having ridden his train to victory, as he had every opportunity to, the history is, of course, and war is always a case of close and close runs, narrow chances, and little things that decide battles. And in Hitler's case, since he had failed, he was just destined to take the plunge and be the sacrifice that would bring his empire to an end. As a matter of fact, Admiral Dornitz, who was his successor, surrendered, surrendered to the Allies within a week. Without Hitler, Nazi Germany did not exist. He embodied it. He was their messiah. And that is why his body was burnt by his associates after he had committed suicide. Immolation, of course, once again, being a great way to raise a spirit to a higher power, practiced by countless cultures across the world as a funerary rite, but also, very conveniently, getting rid of evidence. The Soviets had nursed a great grudge against Hitler, and they went so far as to dig his corpse up, and they kept it as a trophy. After all, what better way to symbolize your victory over someone than to be able to point at their body and say, there lies the person that we fought against. And a body is a trophy to those who move in the higher circles of power. Just as it's like the skull of Geronimo is kept and by the masters of the Skull and Bones fraternity, the relics of Hitler would be a powerful talisman for the Soviets. Now, in the late 1990s, after the fall of the Soviet Union, the remains of the former dictator Hitler were taken to be tested, and embarrassingly for the Russians, they proved to be that of a woman. So, instead of being a powerful talisman to rally at patriotism and say, hey, we beat the Germans, we took down their most evil person, it turns out the body was missing all along. Now, this keeps alive the myth that Hitler somehow might still be out there. This myth I can easily dismiss. It's, it's extremely unlikely that Hitler would have survived even into the 19, 1960s, much less the 1990s. In late war footage, if you pay attention, you can clearly see signs of Parkinson's in Hitler's movements. The little shakes, the, the way that he tries to hide one hand. And as someone who with a family that has suffered with Parkinson's, I can tell you he would have been lucky to last five years, much less 50, to get to 1990. 
but it's fully possible he managed to escape the bunker. There are several scenarios proposed, including him having a body double switch out and he escaped on a plane. But, again, this idea of Hitler escaping seems very unlikely. The successful Nazis, the ones who had done their best, were rewarded with new lives in South America. They escaped through Odessa, the organization established in the post-war era to smuggle them out, also known as Der Spin, the Spider, which you might recall from an earlier episode, spiders are a very key symbol. In the Bohemian Grove, it says, weaving spiders come not here. In other words, showing their allegiance to the owl, not the spider. And since the Germans had embraced the spider as their way to get out of Europe, as their symbol, as their talisman, we can see immediately that the Germans and the Nazis still have their presence in the modern-day world. And, while the Illuminati were careful to eliminate their errant minion in Hitler, the they, they weren't able to erase the specter of the Nazi failure from their midst. So what they did was keep the image of Hitler alive by not having the body, by not directly knowing what happened, because that way it gave them a kind of anti-Messiah for future generations. See, humans like the idea of having a leader from the past emerge to solve their problems. The British have King Arthur to return them to their glory days. The Germans have Emperor Barbarossa, and the Illuminati have kept alive the myth of Hitler to wave around as their talisman when they can restore their Germanic sense of order to the world. Again, this is Bavarian Illuminati I'm talking, not the modern Illuminati, which is globalist in its ideals. And just as they would like to have a savior, people also like to have a conflict, and Hitler's entire purpose was to provide conflict to the world. From the very first moment he seized power, and even before that, he was an instrument of chaos in his own country and beyond. Now, Hitler had an opponent who was also very famous, and his most avid enemy was also the victim of quite a mysterious death. Joseph Stalin was a dictator of Soviet Russia. He felt he was a man of the people, and felt like he was acting in their interests, but he was single-handedly guilty for more murders than Hitler. When you add it all up, if you look purely at non-combatant deaths during the war, the Soviets and Stalin were responsible for about 9 million. And Hitler was responsible for about 11 million. Now, that being said, since Stalin took power far earlier than Hitler and was around long after Hitler had departed, Stalin had the opportunity to orchestrate the Holodomor, which was an ethnic cleansing in the Ukraine, and that was responsible for about 9 million deaths. During Stalin's purges, which were ongoing and kind of sporadic, it's estimated he killed an additional 20 million. That's people exiled to Siberia, transported to the Far East for various crimes, including anything that, that occurred to the dictator as being against himself. So, all added up, Stalin ran up a total of 38 million victims compared to Hitler's 11 million. That's almost three times higher now, again, Stalin enjoyed a much longer period of leadership than Hitler did, which explains why he was able to rack up a far greater amount of kills. But 
Both are instrumental in the central idea, that of the Illuminati population control. Eugenics were popular at the beginning of the last century, the 19th switching over to the 20th century, and Hitler and Stalin both seized on those ideals in order to push forward their own concepts about who would be allowed to live and who should be given over to death. Removing undesirables from the population has been an Illuminati goal for centuries. They've always said they would like to control the Earth's population at a couple hundred million at most, and we are far, far beyond that at seven billion currently and rising. This has been something they've been pushing ever since Malthus, Thomas Malthus, came up with his ideas of population growth. And while we're not seeing that directly happening today, they want us to believe that there's an inevitability that the Malthusian model is what is going to take over. And Stalin and Hitler were fantastic Illuminati tools, not only to spread chaos and give them the, the ability to control everything from the sidelines, but they also were key in killing billions and millions of people. But, just like Hitler's body, Stalin, after his death, was put together with Lenin in Lenin's mausoleum. And then later it was transferred to the Kremlin Wall Necropolis. Just like Hitler's body, it was intended to be a talisman, a source of inspiration for the Soviet people, somewhere they could go and gather around to remember what it was the Soviet Union was based around. They called World War II the Great Patriotic War, and some people today even fondly remember Joseph Stalin as Uncle Joe, something he would have been very pleased to find out. Now, the Soviet Union ceased to be an effective counterweight to the United States in the late 1980s, and it was dissolved in 1991. At that point, the remains of Stalin were no longer necessary, and indeed, it's been argued whether the whole necropolis should be maintained or gotten rid of. But we're skipping a little bit ahead. They don't know what to do with Stalin's body, but for decades, it was an important part of their culture. But how Stalin got to the grave is indeed a mystery. He was 74 at the time of his death, much older than Hitler's death, who was 56 years old, but he had increasingly isolated himself for years. See, just like his Nazi counterpart did, Stalin had spent much of his final years alone. He had no time for family or friends. Unlike Hitler, he'd gotten rid of his wives, divorced himself from his children, and spent a lot of time alone in his little country dacha. He did not have time for friends, but he, sorry, he did not have time for family, but he did have time for friends. He had become a night owl and was prone to summon people to his, to his little dacha, which is called the Kunsefo dacha in the former, former town of Kunsefo, which is now, a, now kind of a suburb of Moscow. The curious thing is, where he used to have his little parties, soirees, whatever you want to call them, midnight, midnight get-togethers, is still shrouded in secrecy. It takes special permits and special permission to even be allowed to visit this dacha. Now, Stalin died in 1953, and in 2018, we are not allowed to get close to the building where he passed away. What could possibly be so secret from nearly 80 years ago?
Well, that's because the hidden ones like to keep their secrets well away from the prying eyes of the public. Because as a general rule, human beings are smart. They notice inconsistencies. One reason that shows like just another conspiracy show exists is we notice the things that don't make sense. They stand out. And we want to say, hey, look over here. This doesn't add up. But once again... What could have placed a house from 1953 possibly have in it that that would be that would be required to be a secret 80 years on? It can't be the technology, because even assuming the most advanced electronics of 1953 were present, they would pale in comparison to even the most primitive modern computers. It's um. Think about it. The Soviet Union was an industrial powerhouse, but it was never a technological powerhouse. That's not to to, to make any derogatory statement toward the Soviet Union. They made do with what they had, which in many cases were simply cast-offs from the rest of the world, but they were able to produce everything in spades. So while they wouldn't have had the advanced technology of, say, an Enigma machine, or anything close to one of the computers that was being pioneered in the West, their technology would still be as antiquated as we see our own technology from the 1940s. Aside from the planes, everything else, even the most advanced ships of that era seem stuck in another era. If you've ever been aboard one of the Iowa-class battleships, they are fantastic, but they definitely show their age. They look nothing like a modern modern destroyer. There's no creature comforts, everything's designed for pure functionality, and even a house from the 1950s, if it were decorated in the same way today, would look like an absolute eyesore. Shag carpet, curtains so heavy that you have to beat dust out of them. So again, what is so secret about this dacha near Moscow? Well, the question is, Again, we have to look at the official story, because they don't want you questioning it. They just want you accepting it. Stalin supposedly collapsed while he was alone. Nobody was with him. And his aides were so afraid of him that no one dared rouse him because of his legendary temper. Again, this is because Stalin had isolated himself. Even longtime friends and guards who were loyal to him were dismissed, arrested, and marginalized during his purges. So no one really saw what overcame the Soviet le- leader. Now, of course, the autopsy pronounced it as an arthroscoriosis of the cerebral cavity. That means the blood vessels in his brain had become so overrun with plaque that they were incapable of functioning any longer. He basically had a mini-stroke. And the medical technology of the day is nowhere close to what we would call modern, and the Soviets, coincidentally, like the Nazis, were very proficient in using nerve agents as agents of death. The Germans used them in the concentration camps, but the Soviets, and later the Russians, proved adept at using them for personal assassination. Now, Lavretny Beria, the marshal of the Soviet Union and the state security head, was the one who was brave enough to enter Stalin's apartment first, despite the fact that for hours all the senior officials were too afraid to even knock on the door. But, as the state, the head of state security, was it bravery or was Beria wise enough? 
to know that the Soviet leader was no longer a threat. It's quite likely Bereria was a tool of higher power, as he was one of the founding members of the NKVD, who later would become the KGB. And in 1950s, medicine wasn't nearly as good as what we had today, but at the time when Winston Churchill was being treated with penicillin, Stalin was being spoon-fed and having leeches applied. That's right, leeches! In a country that had enough industry to fight and win World War II, they were not using medicine, like we would call it. They were using leeches, a leftover from the medieval times. It took a few days, and Stalin was completely incapable of moving during those days, but Stalin succumbed to his injuries, critically, without ever uttering another word. For a man who based his entire life around speeches, this is particularly peculiar. Now, Bereria also didn't last a year either. He was tried and executed, but unlike the other six, he was shot on his own. He was given special attention. First rule of assassination, of course, is kill the assassin. And just like a tool is, he was disposed of. Now, it's kind of like an inverse of what happened to JFK. Stalin was killed, and the, his killer was killed. Now, the person thought likely to be killed was killed by a single gunshot, just like JFK, where Lee Harvey Oswald was killed by a single gunshot. It's like they ran the exact same play. Remember, there's nothing new under the sun. The Illuminati love to make sure that history repeats itself. Bereria's remains were buried in a forest to hide his grave, once again making sure his body could not be used as a martyr to anyone who would rise up after him. Now, compounds that could cause brain issues were well known to the Soviets. And given, the, given Stalin's habit of staying awake with a, late with a few guests, it would have been relatively easy for someone to have slipped him a chemical, a cocktail, whatever it would be that would cause him to pass away. But right now, everything is still behind closed doors for fear that someone might be able to discover something to discredit the official truth. Now, Stalin's death is mysterious, and... It caused even more deaths in his wake, just as Hitler himself caused deaths after he had departed the field. However, just like Hitler, Stalin's body was kept as a talisman for the Soviets. Hitler still provides inspiration for what we call skinheads, modern Nazis, and Stalin still is a leader for those who would consider themselves Soviets. Soviets does not mean socialism, nor does it mean communism. Despite what a nation calls itself, its real aims are always different, and the Soviet Union was never a communist state because it was always a command economy. Now, that being said... The cult of the evil man is, is really quite old. Um, Napoleon still inspires devotees. The names of the Marquis de Sade and Vlad the Impaler are still on our lips. But most importantly, the idea of a body as a talisman to inspire is still with us. The Illuminati never gives up a good trick, especially one that might inspire a death cult. And... In the modern age, this practice is still going on. 
When Osama bin Laden was assassinated in 2011, there was immediately doubt over the details of the raid. Now, admittedly, in any operation in which military intelligence is involved, there's bound to be red herrings and decoys. Legitimately, they don't want you knowing exactly what their methods of investigation are and how they gather new information. Because, as the old saying goes, spies that advertise wind up dead. And Osama bin Laden had been number one on the list of the terror targets for years. Now, we're told that SEAL Team 6 had managed to pull off this daring operation in Pakistan, a country that at that time was underneath great sanctions from the United States. So, when Pakistan allowed the United States into its territory to conduct this assassination, it was an opportunity the United States couldn't pass up. It would also be an opportunity to legitimate legitimize the war of terror for the masses, showing the people why so many deaths over so many years was worth the sacrifice. So Osama bin Laden's body was intended to be a talisman too, but for the war against terror. However, strangely, instead of keeping him for identification and verification, he was hastily buried at sea supposedly in a Muslim ceremony, and last time I checked, Muslims don't bury their dead at sea. And that's right, one of the biggest coups in modern history, identifying and tracking down the man who was supposedly responsible for 9-11, was just slung off the side of the USS Carl Vincent. If they had wanted to, and they had really just wanted to get rid of Osama bin Laden, they could have simply used an airstrike. It would have gotten rid of Osama bin Laden. They could have made the exact same claims as they did now, and it would have been substantially cheaper and much more effective. I mean, Osama bin Laden was dependent on dialysis machines. So, if they were so confident that they had him, instead of risking a SEAL incursion, a simple drone strike or a B-1 Lancer would have gotten the job done much cheaper. They had to move millions of gallons of fuel and the machines themselves just to get the Ghost Hawk helicopters ready to go for this mission. And that's to say nothing of the salaries of the mission, their gear, the mission planners, and the satellites in orbit they used to locate and triangulate Osama bin Laden's position. That's a lot of work to go in in order to get a body you're just going to drop into the sea. Now, they claimed they buried it at sea so that it would attract so that it would not attract worshippers and sympathizers but in fact the exact opposite is true the illuminati wanted to create a legend see while a body is a talisman for a movement the lack of a body shows that same body has transformed into the spiritual plane just as the ancient Romans, emperors, and Egyptian pharaohs were believed to become gods after death, by not having a corporal body to bury or look at, their spirit is suffused into the collective consciousness. So Hitler, Stalin, and Osama bin Laden have been forced into our collective unconscious simply by the fact that no one really knows the truth of their final hours. And every year on 9-11, we're reminded of Osama bin Laden. On Remembrance Day or Veterans Day, we're reminded of the sacrifice that our, uh, that our ancestors made in order to struggle against Hitler and Stalin. 
The three of them join a cycle of violence that is encoded in our calendars, and over time there will be a cult around Osama bin Laden. Again with our calendars, each day of our year commemorates a bloodbath in the name of the New World Order. And while we should never cease to honor our veterans, since they are the ones who have kept our country safe, we should be ready to stand up in the face of those who would make martyrs out of criminal tyrants who slaughtered millions within the name of their globalist masters. We must stand up because the world is a dangerous place, and we are always in danger of the rise of a new empire with a new dictator at its controls and with the Illuminati standing behind them, ready to manipulate them and if necessary, eliminate them to make them more powerful in death than they were at life. Now, Stand Up is the anthem for just another conspiracy show. It's performed by Pipe Choir, and we recommend you check out their other fine works. It's hard to go wrong listening to Pipe Choir. If you enjoyed this show, the host has books available for Amazon Kindle. The Secrets of Solomon by Jeff Williams is an expose of the life of the ancient Israelite king. Also, Cemetery Island by Jeff Williams is a thriller in which a young man is incarcerated in a mental ward only to find out that the doctors have more sinister intentions than curing him. Also soon coming out will be Blood, a Victorian thriller involving vampires and Jack the Ripper again by Jeff Williams, which will be announced very soon. But most importantly, a special thanks to everybody today for inviting Just Another Conspiracy Show into your homes.